Welcome to Living Light Radio with your host, Ranbir Poir. That's me, where we'll give you a dose of inspiration, application, and adaptation every single week so you can embrace the light of your life and live the life of your dreams. I hope you'll join us every Friday. Hello and welcome back. Thank you for joining us here today. I have a really special guest. I can't wait to tell you about her. But just before I introduce her, I'd just like to introduce myself if it's your first time here. My name is Ranbir Poir. I've been a life strategies coach since 2009. I'm an author, a podcaster, but most importantly, I'm a mom of two incredible sons that I'm raising on the West Coast of Canada with my husband. And you're here on my YouTube channel or you're listening on my podcast. Uh, and the theme is to learn to like yourself, <clears throat> learn to like your family and to really, really strengthen the relationships under your roof. And the purpose of that is really, it's a metaphor for the relationships in your heart. And quite often when we are experiencing chronic stress, anxiety and different things, it can really impact our how we feel about ourselves and then also how it impacts our family. So I thought it would be such an honor and a phenomenal gift to you for us to have Dr. Bal Powa here with us today. Uh, she is the author, you can see how many uh, notes I have here, of The Mind-Body Cure, Heal Your Pain, Anxiety and Fatigue by Controlling Chronic Stress. Dr. Powa, thank you so much for being here. I would love if you could tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, good morning. Thank you so much, Rendir. And I'm so excited to be on your show. I've heard so many great things about what you've done and how you've transformed people. So I'm very aligned with what you do and looking at the inner, inner uh, job. You know, the I always say health is an inside job and you're helping people to connect with their inner child and their inner being and their higher self. And I think that that is so aligned. So a little bit about me. Um, I'm a medical doctor, but beyond that, I was a pharmacist. So I was a pharmacist. I was in, in uh, obstetrical general practice. And in the last 20 years, I've been focusing more on integrative health. And uh, personally, I am also a mom, and that's one of my proudest achievements to raise two independent, healthy kids. Mm. And uh, in this crazy world, uh, this is an accomplishment. <laughs> so yes. when you uh, when you look at all the stressors that kids are facing, you know, teaching them to be resilient and independent was a personal challenge, and and they they hopefully are. Um, uh, I grew up in Newfoundland. A lot of people don't know. About wow. Yeah, I don't look like a Newfoundlander, but my father immigrated way back in the 60s and I grew up in Newfoundland and I just loved the way that I was brought up because I had the Eastern, uh, Eastern Canadian Newfoundland experience in the snow and being connected to a community and growing up, you know, skating on a pond, swimming in a river. I had all that. And then I had the Eastern philosophy from my parents as well about taking care of your body, yoga, prayer, good, good food. And uh, so I have sort of a blend of the Eastern and Western philosophies in my personal lifestyle as well. 
And, and, and I think all of that culminated into this book. <laughs> oh, and I, I love, I got goosebumps right now because, you know, for me, it's, it's a, you know, similar experience, blending, blending the East and West and being able to, I, you know, kind of, it's like the blue zones of living, being able to take these different philosophies uh, and, and pull them together. And your book is abs absolutely incredible. It's one of those books that you, it's a must have, I think. I think everybody needs to have this, as you can tell, I think so, uh, with all my purple post-its. Um, <laughs> what I there's we could talk for probably a whole day about the book so what I I'm hoping to do is I love how you broke it down into different categories and 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 you start with the sort of idea mind your mind your mind mind your heart mind and I really like that whole concept but I wanted to dive in because one thing struck me right off the bat first of all the preface I cried wow. so it just it, it it was just so powerful um, that you were able to share something so deeply personal with us uh, about your own experience and and how you tie your own experiences plus client experience, patient experiences through the book. Incredibly powerful. And it was it was a difficult uh, thing to share and be, oh. as a physician, you were taught to be very private. Uh, it's a journey that I had to go through, but actually sharing it and being vulnerable has really liberated me. And uh, through the TED talk that I did, they encouraged me, well, why are you so passionate about mind-body medicine? And when I told them about my story and my experience as a patient, they said, you have to tell your story. And I said, I can't do that on the stage. It's very private. They said, no, it's very important to share that as a physician, that you also went through that dark place. You you were in that despair and chronic pain, but you came out of it. And I think patients would appreciate knowing that a doctor had to navigate the system. So I shared the story and I'm so glad I did yeah. because I've had emails from all over the world where people say, I relate to your loss and your pain and your experience. And if you were able to heal yourself, then, then show me how. Yes. And so what happened with me, it just briefly is I was not, of course, I wasn't perfect. I had a great life, a perfect life, two yes. young kids, I had a practice, married, had a nice house, was just busy, busy, you know, delivering babies, which is what I love to do. So I finished delivering a baby and was driving home and I was literally hit by a truck and the sudden shock of the truck and my car and it was just a head-on collision, basically, I was extricated from the car and taken back to the hospital yeah. where I just left. Yeah. So the same hospital I left as a physician, I came back as a patient. Mm -hmm. And when you come back as a patient, it's a very different experience. You're vulnerable. You're, you are being poked and prodded and you're at the mercy of doctors. But that started the whole seven-year journey of healing. So through that ordeal, I lost my baby because I was pregnant at the time with our third child. And that was an emotional loss, but I had a lot of physical injuries as well. So broken bones and collapsed lung. And I gave my whole trust to the medical system. I just said, here, I'm here. I'll do whatever you tell me. Just fix me. I want to get my life back. I had drugs. I had surgery. I had multiple surgeries. I had massage, I had interventions of every kind, but I wasn't healing. And they all meant well, you know, rehab specialists, neurologists, surgeons. Um, I think what was missing in our system, what 
what became apparent is we don't involve the patient. We don't say, well, you're part of the healing and you need to show up and you need to advocate for your health. And you need to realize that a lot of your mindset is influencing your healing. That conversation never happened. So powerful. Yeah. So those conversations need to happen. We need to involve the patient in their care. And uh, so then when I realized I can't do deliveries anymore, I wanted to do something. I went to Harvard Medical School to learn how to do counseling for mind-body. What I didn't know is that when I arrived, that this doctor and I got along so well, he was doing research on the autonomic nervous system. He took a personal interest in my case and he said, look, we've got to heal you because then if you prove that you can heal, my research works. Amazing. (laughs) His research was on the autonomic nervous system. And that's the premise of the book, learn that you have an autonomic nervous system and then what can you do about it? And going through that process with him, I not only healed myself, I came back to Vancouver and said, I can no longer just practice medicine the way I did. I have to change this system. And that's when I found some like-minded physicians and we opened an integrative clinic And now I've been able to transform the lives of thousands of people because I use the principles of mind-body medicine. Yeah. And also you, you harness the energy of, of the trauma and the crisis and you trans used it to transform your life's experience and found your true calling. I think, you know, I think it's fascinating how sometimes, you know, we hear whispers and we think of these things and then, you know, we get a knock on the door or the door gets knocked down or the whole house burns down. And then we have to decide, okay, I'm now starting from scratch. What do I want? I think and- that's a very important point. What it is is when things happen, it's so easy for us to go to that place of fear, uncertainty, yes. and it's not fair and victim mentality. Why yeah. me? And I did, yeah. but I reframe it now. And I say, you know, that wasn't the worst thing that happened to me. That was probably, there was a lot of good. There were some best things that happened to me because of that. Yeah. Sure, there was loss, there was pain, there was seven years, I'm not going to get back. But because of that experience, I completely reframed the way I look at the world with gratitude, even with my patients. I'm doing integrative medicine. I wrote the book. I did a TED talk. I wouldn't have done any of those things. I would have just been blindly writing prescriptions and diagnostic tests for patients and not necessarily helping them in the long run. No, I, I, th- I just think it's beautiful. I think it's beautiful. And so thousands and thousands of people are being impacted. You know, there was a quote in the book and I'm just, I've got notes. I'm looking down. (laughs) I apologize. Let's look at the camera. This has really struck me because I hear this in my coaching practice. Uh, I hear a version of this, but the way you said it was so profound. We end each day feeling exhausted yet sleep does not come easily. We wake up feeling anxious and it's incredible how the impact of chronic stress uh, or it's incredible the impact of chronic stress on our health and uh, I'd like to dive into that but I also want to point out quickly what what I feel that you did in the book really really incredibly well as you tied you know science and stories but also you're giving people power by including these self-assessments so fantastic. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I'm head over heels for self-assessments because that audit, internal audit makes you feel like you're in the driver's seat. 
So I, I just wanted to dive into my first question is tell me a little bit about how chronic stress you feel, um, you know, in the sort of layman's terms impacts our health. So I think in order to understand chronic stress, uh, Ranbir, we have to talk about acute stress because okay. acute stress was designed so that we could run away from a saber-toothed tiger, right? Our yes. nervous system would say, oh, oh, danger. And within a second, the message goes to your adrenal gland, your stress gland, you make cortisol, adrenaline, and you run away, fight or flight, and danger is gone. You calm down, your body goes to normal. Great. That is necessary. We would not survive without that. If someone's chasing you in the dark alley, you know, you need that. However, if imagine if your body lived in that state all the time, fight or flight all the time. For example, with this Corona and the, the COVID crisis, it's been almost a year. We are now facing a pandemic of chronic stress and it's yes. taking a toll on the body. So chronic stress, what it does, it wreaks havoc with every every biological system. So I talked about the gut. Why does it cause problems in the gut? Well, if you're running from a saber-toothed tiger, your body is designed to shunt blood away from your gut, turn off all your secretions, slow down your motility, your, your peristaltic contractions. So your gut's not functioning. It's not meant to digest when you're under stress. So when you damage the gut, well, you're going to get problems with food sensitivities. You're going to get problems with immune system. So here we are worried about Corona, but then we're compromising our immune system. So I wanted to show people that you have to see that one action creates a reaction. So yes. if you stay in chronic stress, then you're going to change your gut flora, your microbiome. You're going to have low immunity. You're going to have changes in your breathing, your heart, your inflammation, your sleep. So that statement that I said, you know, you go to bed, you're supposed to go to bed and get a time to have downtime, resurge, yes. rejuvenate. But if your mind is working through fear and uncertainty, what's going to happen with my job? Am I going to see my elderly mother in the nursing home? Those stressors are a trigger to your brain to say, okay, we got to work through these problems. So you don't, you don't sleep. So you wake up anxious, you go to bed anxious, but what's it doing to your biological systems? It's a really, sick, a really big deal. Actually. Yeah. Because what you're, what you're doing is take going like out of the silos. Cause you know, we, we have this doctor for this or this doctor for that, which, you know, there's nothing against that. But no. when we put all the systems together, you have a real wholesome approach and uh, you can look at how this impacts that. And, 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 and specialties are so important, but it's also important to figure out how they are integrated. And that's the thing connecting <laughs> that our bodies, this beautiful machine, yeah. And it works as a unit, not just a sum of its parts. And we often forget that. So yes. this is why I want people to remember, integrate. The body works as an integrated system. Absolutely. You know, you talk a little bit about our second brain. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I would love for, for the audience to hear a little bit about the second brain. What is it? It's so interesting, Rebeer. Like people don't think about this, but when an embryo is forming. So when you're in your mom's tummy and there's a little embryo the size of a peanut, as it's forming, this is so cool. The part that forms your brain and spinal cord yeah. is exact same tissue that goes off to form your gut. Amazing. So the same neural tissue 
is, is forming, the brain and spinal cord is going to form your gut. So that means your gut has nerve tissue in there. It has its own neuroendocrine system built into the gut. So sometimes they'll say, wow, I get this gut feeling. Yeah. Sometimes your gut will perceive danger before your brain registers it. So there's something real to that gut feeling. So your brain and and that the spinal cord are your thinking brain yeah. and your gut is your feeling brain. So I often refer to the gut as your second brain because yeah. if your second brain is healthy, the microbiome is healthy, the function of the gut is healthy, that creates health throughout the body, including sending serotonin to the brain. Serotonin, your happy hormone, is manufactured in the gut. Fantastic. Like that's so yeah. powerful to know. Background, we don't know that. <laughs> and, yeah, that's the thing. And it's always like, why, why didn't I know? Or, yeah. and, 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 you know, when we're in a state of information overload, so, you know, we hear something and, uh, you know, the doctors are busy, so you can't always get all this information. And that's why nurturing through, so nurturing through intellectual conversation like this and giving ideas like as powerful as your second brain and, and knowing the science behind it, that's a big deal. It's a big deal. So you'll look at look at all the diseases that uh, what we call psychosomatic stress cells, right. irritable bowel syndrome, inflammatory bowel syndrome. There are so many diseases, heartburn, reflux, that we run out and we take a pill for every ill. We have a pill for heartburn. We have a yeah. pill for irritable bowel. But really, when I started talking to patients and saying, hey, what's going on? When did this begin? Well, my girlfriend broke up with me. Right. I moved out and started eating junky food. I started this new job with the bosses on my tail. That's when my gut symptoms started. So then integrative medicine is going back to the root cause. If we fix the root cause, then you may not be taking all those drugs. Let's fix what's broken, not just fix the symptoms. Yeah, treating this the root, not the symptoms. So, so powerful, so powerful. And the other interesting thing about the body is you share a really interesting stat about our lung capacity. Because we, you know, people think it's trite to talk about breathing. Oh, no, no, they just told me to breathe. They just told me to breathe. But there's something so important and powerful, especially with that stat you shared, because it, and I'd love for you to talk a little bit about the lungs and breathing. And what are we not using? Yeah, we're, there's a lot of real estate in your lungs. So first of all, let's talk about breath. Breath is something, you know, as soon as you're born, you take your first breath. And we breathe 23,000 times a day. We're going to wow. breathe. It's something you don't even think about. It's automatic through your autonomic nervous system. It's automatic. Try to stop breathing. You can't. It kicks in, right? Yeah. But what we can control is how we breathe. And I had to relearn breathing. When I went to that Harvard uh, mind-body course, they said, okay, just breathe. And they had this apparatus where they showed you. And most of us, we're all physicians, we were using the top one third of our lungs. We weren't breathing properly. So he taught us that if you do your deep breathing, you increase oxygen to all that real estate down there. It's almost like balloons opening up yeah. on this machine and we're able to see. So when you take a deep breath in through your nose, hold it for five seconds, you've just blown up the balloons in your lungs. All that oxygen then goes to the tissues. Oxygen is the drug of choice, right? It's right. what we need. That's what we need to live on. And so learning to breathe properly by using your muscles is one way to calm down the nervous system. So in addition to providing oxygen, you're actually 
putting the brakes on your nervous system. So I teach people how to properly breathe. Now, first I'll listen with the stethoscope and I'll say, okay, now take a really deep breath. And then they open up their lungs. I said, look how much real estate you just opened up. Yeah. And then they say, wow. And they're often walking around just holding their breath because we're on edge. But when we do that, our diaphragm, this powerful muscle is telling the brain she's on alert. There's a message that goes from your muscle, yes. the diaphragm up to the brain saying, she's on alert, make cortisol and adrenaline. But if you do deep breathing and relax that diaphragm, open up the belly, you've just sent a message to the brain. Hey, chill. It's okay. We got the brakes on, turn off your gas and we can produce oxygen. We can produce DHEA, serotonin, endorphins, all the chemicals that heal. Yes. The opposite of fight or flight is rest and repair. So if you want to start healing and want to feel, you want to change your feeling and you want to do the healing, then you got to start with the breath. That's where it all begins is the yes. breath. And, and I want to emphasize what Dr. Powell is saying here. Like, you don't have to go take a breath work clinic. <laughs> so, you know, they're, they're like, we have this trend where like, oh, now, you know, she's talking about breath and I'm going to go now sign up for a clinic. <laughs> that's not the message here. The message here is you're using, I think a one third of your capacity, your real estate of, of your lungs. And so you can do this. Um, sorry, my computer's frozen there for a second. You can do this for free in your home and, and to, to pay real close attention and just imagine, you know, you can use different visualizations. You can imagine sipping the breath up your spine. You can imagine your belly rising. You can do a lot of little things. So don't make it work. And I just wanted to, to quickly highlight that because I think a lot of people are so oh, that's a great point gone into this. Oh, I got to got to do it perfectly. I gotta do it perfectly. <laughs> and, and so just practice, uh, you know, uh, practice with what you have. Well, maybe at the end, if we get a couple of minutes, we'll do a breathing technique. So everybody can learn how to do it. And what does it feel like? And once you get a practice of breathing properly, that you've just started your healing process just by doing that. And then you can work on resetting the mind and resetting everything else, but reset the breathing at the very beginning. I think that's the crucial piece. Perfect. Well, perfect. I can't wait to do that. We'll do that. Um, you know, there's, there's, like I said, so much, cause I'm such a, I, I'm a little bit of a nerd. So I've got, all, I've got all of, I'm happy to be You're naturally curious, <laughs> I'm naturally are, curious, which is such a gift. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm just fascinated by uh, what, what I don't know. I'm, you know, when, and so I, I love, I love to learn, but what's interesting in, um, you talk about, uh, the, you used a Hippocrates quote that says all disease begins in the gut. And we've talked a little bit about that. And there's so much in the chapter of mind your gut. Mm -hmm. Um, you're talking about, I'm going to pronounce this, hopefully I've done neuro gastroenterology. You talk about the vagus nerve psych health and the gut so much stuff. And if we were to like pick a because you got to get the book, of course, people need to buy this book. But if if they needed a, a tidbit there, what would you offer them about that area? Do not underestimate the power of a healthy gut. It is the very, very cornerstone of health. Because if you study disease, which I have, and physicians have to learn about disease, the root cause of disease is inflammation. 
And yes. inflammation begins in the gut. So if you have a healthy gut, 85% of your immune system is in the gut. And both stress and poor diet contribute to a, an unhealthy gut. And I highlight stress because when we're stressed, we make bad choices about food. Mm. I bet if I asked anybody, what is a healthy diet? They'll say, oh, you have to eat lots of fruits and vegetables and nuts and seeds and plants. Great. Everybody knows that. Okay. But why is it that we make poor choices when we're stressed? What's emotional eating about, for example? Yes. So we'll eat more carb foods. We'll eat junky foods. We'll choose more alcohol. We'll drink more coffee. My point is that we have to, at the very, very basic, is create a healthy mindset. So your mindset is grounded, you're peaceful, you're conscious, and you're making healthy choices. So when you sit down to eat a meal, most of us will say, oh, I spent money on organic produce and I got these wonderful supplements. Well, guess what? You do not absorb those micronutrients if your mind is in toxic relationship with someone sitting across from you. Yeah. You know, if you're worried, if you're scared, if you're, if your brain is doing something else, you're not able to digest unless you're in rest and digest, which is your, your brakes. You have to put the brakes on your nervous system. Yeah. So be mindful when you eat, be mindful when you choose your food. So the connection to the gut, as you started out is the neuro neuroenterology gastroenterology means how does our psychology yes. impact our digestion and you'd be surprised to know that digestion actually begins in the brain fascinating yeah like if you go out and and you've just uh, bought all this food while you're prepping the food while you're touching the food and smelling the food and cutting up your tomato your brain already remembers tasting that tomato and is preparing the juices to get ready to digest that tomato, right? right. So digestion actually begins in the brain. So that's why the neurogastroenterology connection is so important that your, your brain is constantly sending signals and the gut yeah. is sending signals back up. It's a bi-directional flow. And a big chunk of the highway is the vagus nerve. Yes. So the vagus nerve is, you know, not the kind of vagus that you hear. <laughs> right? That we can't go to right now anyway. We can't go there anyway. <laughs> um, but you have to learn to know your vagus because if we can learn how to upregulate, regulate our vagus nerve by being mindful, by being calm, then you will digest better. But if you've got a very agitated vagal nerve, you're not going to be able to digest properly. You know, I think, it, I think you said it was 85% of the, uh, inf uh, sorry, I, I just wanted to emphasize that and I should have written it down, but I'm so in, like engrossed in what you're listening and so focused oh, on listening. Yeah, okay. So 85% yeah. of your immune system is in the gut and 75% of your serotonin is manufactured in the gut. Okay. So make sure if you're watching this video, please <laughs> write that down because that is massive. Yeah, that's a huge portion. Because and that is giving you power because you get to make food choices. Um, nobody's forcing you to buy this or buy that. So you know, function. Uh, I, I I have a great little tool I use for people that are really really can't figure things out. I say just function in a twenty four hour window. So tomorrow yeah. for breakfast I'm going to eat eggs and for lunch I'll have the salad and for dinner I'm going to have salmon. Don't think about two days from now. Just try to plan for that one day at a time that takes that big pressure off. 
and think about yourself knowing this 85% stat, like that's huge. And then if you couple it with small steps. And I think being mindful whenever you make decisions. So who's making decisions? Are we just conditioned? And if you are conditioned all the time and you keep doing the same thing every day, you're going to get the same results. If you want different results, you have to challenge your thinking and stay awake and say, okay, who just made that decision? Was that just an automatic decision or was that a conscious decision? And this is where I want people to engage their mind. What are they thinking? What are they choosing? What thoughts are they listening to? And be aware and be like a gatekeeper because there are 60,000 thoughts a day and you can't listen to them all. And most of them are automatic or negative or repetitive, but we have to be the gatekeepers and say, I'm only allowing in thoughts that serve me, that are positive, that are based on trust so that you stay conscious as the gatekeeper in your head. It's so important that the auditing exercise, I think, is so valuable because the, the more we try to put our heads in the sand and I don't want to look and I don't want to see how much, uh, you know, I don't want to look at my bank account. I don't want to look at my, my scale. I don't want to look at my whatever. And there, that when you're doing that, I don't want to look, you're, in, you're, you're not the gatekeeper. You're, you're basically letting things just kind of you're, un, you're un, unfold. That's right. You're not in the driver's seat at that yeah. point. And for your health, like when you read this book, you'll understand you need to be in the driver's seat. You need to be engaged. And I think what's important here, we're talking about thoughts. Thoughts are the language of the mind. Yes. Feelings are the language of the body. And when we're doctors, we're just saying, well, Ranbir, how are you feeling today? And you might say, I'm tired. I didn't sleep. My leg hurts. That's your feeling. Okay. Well, if I want to change how you're feeling, I have to go back and say, well, what were you thinking? What was going on? What decisions did you make? What thoughts were you thinking? And so this is where it's really important to start programming your mind to work for you, work on a program of trust and kindness and self-compassion so that you have a really good program. And then your brain is a computer. It just plays that program and your body is the display monitor on the, on your computer. And that's the feelings, that's the symptoms that we measure. And we're just treating your symptoms here. You're, you're not sleeping, here's a drug. You've got a headache, here's a pill. So we don't want you to be just in that mode where you have a pill for every ill. You be in charge and say, ah, this is, I was thinking about my, the argument I had with my boss and now I woke up with a headache ah, let me see if I can make that connect. Yes. The awareness, awareness of all this thought is the agent of change. And when people 100%. become more aware, that's the catalyst to going to the next step. Absolutely, 100%. Like, it's just so powerful. You are a powerful force. And sometimes I think it's almost a little scary because we're not used to driving this, you know, Ferrari. (laughs) So, you know, when you're learning to drive again, don't expect to go in the BMW, (laughs) but you're not used to driving the BMW. So you have to learn how to drive again. So don't expect yourself as you read Dr. Powell's book, or you're listening to this on the podcast or watching on YouTube, don't expect yourself to win the race right off the bat. Like we're talking about small steps, small, small little increments is what's going to create the change. And, you know, it's interesting. We talk about small things you can do. Um, It leads me into your next chapter. You know, um, I, uh, I'm going to forget what it's, I I, I mind your movement. (laughs) And, uh, and it's, I, I thought, I found it fascinating that people with chronic stress 
can actually feel like moving is a waste of time and moving is a small thing we can do. So I'd love to hear, I'd love to hear about it. Okay. Yeah. So moving is so natural to being human, right? That's what creates uh, the difference between someone who's not moving or moving is, is like, are they alive or not? Then yeah. the baby starts moving and the mom says, oh my gosh, there's life inside me. So movement yeah. is a very big part of being human. But often when we're going through stress, we're going to fight flight or freeze some people just just freeze they can't do anything they don't take any action and because they're under a lot of stress they'll just prefer to escape watch netflix and lie on the couch the unfortunate part of that is that if we don't move a number of things happen our body systems the heart the lungs the kidney the brain the the all our our biological systems are not integrating well so in order to have body integration, when you exercise, you need your lungs, you need your kidneys, you need your liver, you need your gut, you need everything to be working together. Yeah. And when you have stress, if you're sitting and stewing in stress, that's very different than having stress and burning off your cortisol and adrenaline. So if you're sit, sitting and lying down and you're stressed, your mind is creating cortisol and adrenaline, what are those two hormones doing to all your biology? Right. But if you got up and said, look, I'm going to burn this stress off and get up and do even a 10 minute, 20 minute power walk or, or jumping jacks, you get your heart rate up. You just burned off cortisol and adrenaline. Yeah. So that's the number one thing is that you need to, if you're stressed, burn off that stress. So that's very important. The second thing is that when we exercise earlier in the day, that helps our circadian rhythm, our biological clock to get to sleep at night. So exercise earlier in the day actually sets the tone for mm -hmm. sleeping better at night. So exercise improves your sleep, improves your immune system and exercise ultimately improves your memory. So it makes you smarter. <laughs> so, <laughs> and this is why teachers are telling kids now, um, you know, you need to just have a quick break, go outside, run around, and they came back and they performed better on tests. So this is a proven yeah. European and North American study that exercise actually makes kids smarter. Yeah, it, it, I, I have a book on it. I, I can't see it right now. Also <laughs> being the, you know, you know, I'm so interested in it, but I, I read how they did some exercise where they, but uh, in a school, uh, like an inner city school, and they had the kids wear heart rate monitors. So they oh, actually, right. yeah, that's so they right. actually went to their personal best versus the group's best and, and how much that impacted their grades and scholarships. And it was just fascinating yeah and it's not just kids but we've got all these elderly people sitting in nursing homes and why are they yeah. just sitting there in their beds withering away but then in europe in denmark they started taking these seniors and just getting them assisted and walking and moving and their memory improved their sleeping improved they they started to feel better and they wanted to move more so movement is integral to being human and alive we have to move and yeah, and I think we're so focused on these quick fixes and somebody else will do it and all of yeah. that kind of stuff. We've forgotten the basics of, of, of being human. And, and I think that's one of the, the sort of things that's happened in the last, you know, 20, 30 years is yeah. a, a lot of that is because of convenience has gone away.
Yeah, and sitting is the new smoking now because oh, everybody's sure. working from home, they're on Zoom, and uh, this this uh, whole pandemic has changed our routine. People say, well, I don't even get out of my pajamas anymore. What's the point? Yeah. But our bodies are built on, on things that are called circadian rhythms. Like we yeah. can wake up, you should go to the window and let the light hit mm. the back of your retina so that that sets the tone for the day and your hormones are pulsed out at different times throughout the day. So it's really important to maintain your routine, get a routine going, get up early on time, go to bed on time, eat on time. We need consistency and routine and your body will function really well. That's such a fantastic tip. Thank you for that. You know, we're, we're talking a lot about um, the heart and the mind and the body and, and, and you write a chapter about uh, mind your heart and the importance of, of breath and meditation. And I, I love what you said, the heart mirrors precisely what's happening in the brain. Mm -hmm. And I'd love for you to talk a little bit about the heart and, 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 and the impacts on the things you can do to impact your heart health and the mind and the heart and mind connection as well. Sure. And, you know, as a, as a, um, uh, as a doctor who's been trained in Western medicine, we were taught about cardiology and how the heart works, but the heart is not just your glorified pump that, you know, pumps a hundred thousand beats a day and, and sends blood to all your organs. It's not just a pump. The cardiac nervous system in the last decade, we've discovered that your heart actually has a lot of connections, especially for women. Women have a very deep cardiac nervous system. So women respond to emotional stress more than men. Uh, when women get heart attacks, it's usually after emotional trauma. Men get heart attacks after snow, shoveling, shoveling snow or lifting something heavy yeah. on, you know, exertion. Our hearts are different. So there's a gender difference in men That's and hearts. And I thought that was fascinating, yeah. the, the nervous system. But I'll tell you, this most recent case that I had, it's a, I'll just call her Mary, um, 68 years old never had high blood pressure, never has heart disease, walks about, you know, four or five kilometers a day. She's so fit. She teaches yoga. She's such a lovely lady, takes care of herself. But she had a very big tragedy. Her husband was driving home from Coquitlam, had a head-on collision and died immediately. Oh. So very, very tragic, very sad. And of course, you know, her doctor, um, her GP was helping her with the trauma. And then suddenly she phoned me, uh, she phoned our clinic and said, I'm in hospital and I've just had a heart attack. And we thought, wow, she doesn't even have any risk factors. And the unusual part, and I talk about this case in my book, yeah. the, the doctor, the emergency doctor said her heart has changed shape. And he said, it looks like an octopus trap. It changed shape. It's called Takasubo's cardiomyopathy. Wow. In other words, broken heart syndrome. So Holy talk God. about your mind-heart connection. So this woman was so traumatized by her husband. She never had any risk factors for heart disease, yeah. but just the grief changed her heart, heart stretched, and she got a heart attack. Now I talked to her and I said, look, I've seen this. I wrote about it in my book. Yeah. What I want you to do, and I actually went to visit her in the hospital and just calmed her down, yeah. gave her a lot of, you know, counseling and said, you've got to heal yourself. You're going to get really sick if you just, because he's gone, but you have to learn to go on. You've got so yeah. many other things. You've got two wonderful sons. 
Anyway, we counseled her about three months later, the heart shape changed and it went back to normal, mm. no longer in that, uh, that, that Takasubo's cardiomyopathy. It, it's gone back to normal and she, her blood pressure is back to normal. She still gets counseling, of course, it was a big loss, but she's getting through it. But that illustrates how our emotions, stress, actually can change the shape of your heart. Imagine that. So that's why it's really important for us to know that what we think and what meaning we give to our thoughts is changing the biology of our organs. So powerful. Right. So powerful. Holy. And, and so what can you do to keep your heart healthy? Yes, of course, eat healthy, exercise, sleep, but stress is a huge risk factor for heart disease. And how are you showing up when stress happens? Because if you're not showing up properly, then you're causing little micro damages to your heart too, through inflammation. Yeah, that's, that's a big deal. One of the uh, quick tools that, uh, that I use that might, if you're thinking of, 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 of those <laughs> responses. I, I use that old Sufi saying, it's supposed to be between dialogue between me and somebody else or you and somebody else, but I use it for my internal dialogue. And before right. you speak, let your words pass through these three gates. Is it true, kind, or necessary? Yes. And so I you know I find that in stress, we say a lot of unnecessary and unkind things to ourselves. <laughs> and, uh, and so trying to pay attention to just having a small little filter or something you can put in place to help you stay on track or have a, have a good friend to talk to or reach out for, for support and help. If you're under chronic stress, you got to get help. You know, it's super important. And then a lot. Oh, sorry. Yeah, you're right. You don't have to do it alone. It, a lot of people feel that, oh, if I haven't mastered mind body, if I haven't, I can't get you know grip on my thoughts, I can't control it. You don't have to do it alone. Your yeah. first step is just to do the breathing and get in touch with yourself and recognize almost as a silent witness. Oh, that's anger. Oh, that's guilt. All those emotions are going through you but they're not who you are. So learn to identify your emotions as things that just pass through like a river yeah. and water keep, but you're the river bank and, and that's who you are, you're solid. But these emotions will pass through, acknowledge them, hear them, but don't identify with them always. Don't dwell there. Yeah, because they're definitely not permanent. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we, we, we started, uh, started our conversation thinking, you know, talking about going to bed exhausted, waking up anxious and, and the conversation in and around sleep. And, uh, you know, I, I, I get a little turned off by all the sleep monitoring because to me, you know, these things that are normal and human, we shouldn't be tracking and making gamifying it. And I think that adds a lot of stress and anxiety, but when it comes to sleep, like what, what is considered a normal amount of sleep and in any place this Friday. So that's, that's really relevant. And, uh, Normal. What is normal sleep? First of all, sleep is integral to, to your health, of course, because when you sleep, your nervous system gets downtime. Your brain actually is not going to sleep. Your brain, that's the time it does all the, the, the cleanup. So your fluid that's in your spine called the cerebral spinal fluid actually goes into the brain. And when you're sleeping, all the little spaces between the nerve cells open up. 
and, and then the fluid goes in, cleans up all the toxins, and while you sleep, the repair is going on. And when you sleep, different hormones are being um, introduced to your body, like melatonin at night, cortisol in the morning, growth hormone at night. So sleep is actually a really good time for repair. You need it. But we, we're, we're sleep deprived as a nation. We're, we're spending billions of dollars on sleep aids. And the prescriptions for sleeping pills just in the last nine months. I'm bracing myself. And went up by 40%, right? So everybody's wow. having corona, chronosomnia, right? It, it's just been like, is, am I going to get a vaccine? Is the, all this fear and uncertainty. So our stress causes a huge problem for our sleep. You're supposed to go to sleep six to eight hours. That's good sleep. But during that sleep, how does your brain go into REM, non-REM sleep? Does it go into deep or slow wave sleep? It's almost like a washing machine, Renvir, right. like you know how your clothes yeah. have to go through a washing machine cycle. Your body and brain have to cycle through those various forms and then you wake up restored. But what sleeping pills are doing, they're only targeting one area of the sleep cycle. Mm -hmm. It's like your clothes come out dirty still in the morning because you, you feel like you slept, but it wasn't a restorative sleep. Yeah. So the newer drugs that I, I attended this seminar for doctors the other day, and it was 80 doctors from across Canada, what they're looking at is said, you know, all those sleeping pills, they have side effects. You get yeah. addicted, you lose memory, et cetera. People have accidents the next morning because they yeah. can't focus. So the newer drugs they're looking at is, well, how do we, how do we block wakefulness? And you know, again, every drug has side effects. What I profess and what I hope that I'm sure you teach as well is learning how to master your mind so that you create a mindset of sleep. Yeah, you learn sure. to challenge your beliefs. A lot of people lie awake at night and say, oh, well, if I don't sleep tonight, I'm going to have a rotten day. All the sleeplessness is going to kill me. So all these distorted cognitive beliefs that yeah. they have about sleep have to be challenged and they have to reframe and say, you know what, I'm going to manifest good sleep by making sure that I start thinking differently before I go to bed. So it's a little exercise where you create a sleep mindset based on trust, not fear. You clean out all the stuff that you're thinking about declutter and said tonight, I'm going to do a body scan. So you start with scanning from your toes all the way up to your body and then relax the muscles, contract and relax. And then you calm down the mind, mm -hmm. stop, observe, detach and affirm the soda technique and just say, okay, no thought is coming through that's gonna be detrimental. I'm only gonna think thoughts that serve me. Yeah. So once you get your mind, your body and everything to calm down, you can induce sleep, you train your body to sleep. So those are called cognitive behavior therapy for insomnia. And they're much more superior than taking medication. For sure. But if, if it's severe and somebody's not sleeping, sometimes I do have to prescribe medication. 
Yeah, no, it, it, absolutely. I, I, this is a, a, I actually created a little sleep spray, which is like a vitamin-based spray you spray on your skin. I'll have to send you some. I've, we haven't even talked about it. We have so much to always talk about, but, I, I know, but, right? but I've actually been able to get my clients wean them off sleeping pills by using the spray. And it's, it's vitamin, it's a it's magnesium-based. Magnesium is wonderful. I yeah. talk about magnesium in the book yeah, and magnesium induces sleep. So that's great that you've come up yeah. with it. Good for you. Oh yeah. And it's just, a, for me, it's just, I like, uh, I like to try to find a, a solution and people don't you don't even need a lot of it once you start remembering what it feels like to sleep it feel, you know you get in that that the behavioral pattern and you start to go oh I like this <laughs> I can do this I can manage it and so you know whether it's uh you know something small like that it, there's also I uh, I use this mat to mattress where I do the downward dog when I'm really stressed and I imagine that all my negative thoughts are going into the mat and then I do up dog to open my chest before I go to bed. So there's well, that's perfect. Little, Those are great techniques. Yeah. yeah. So a dump and an open. <laughs> so just to try to say, I don't need to take this with me to bed, but I do need to expand myself. And when I go to sleep and then there's been times, you know, I have a, I have teenagers. I have a 16 and a half, almost 16 and a half and a 13 year old. And sometimes, you know, when they first start venturing out and they come home at 11 and I go to bed at nine and then my sleep is sort of disrupted because yeah. I'm yes. up. And so I do the same as what you suggested. I say, oh, even though I woke up, I'm going to wake up feeling refreshed. And I just tell myself that. Good. That's exactly, that's the self-talk is so important, right? And what are we telling ourselves? So if we're telling ourselves, oh, sleep deprivation kills people. Well, that's, yes. yeah, there's a statistic about that, but there's also a statistic that you're not going to die from, you know, not having sleep slept one night or you know so we have to really learn to say well what are we telling ourselves yeah. what's that internal dialogue and many of us get caught up in the fear and the and the um, anxiety from that fear so we have to you've got good techniques and I, I I totally support those thank you there yeah and there's so many more in your book and the last section and then we're going to talk about the, the the reframe which is phenomenal um it's it's this um mind your immune system mm -hmm. and uh, you know uh, I, I put a i put a little post-it here just because it's so prep it's a, such a, a a timely conversation about hygiene hypothesis um mm -hmm. and uh, and right now where uh you know the worst doing all of this cleaning and sanitizing and all of that and i was just curious about you know how so impact um, so the immune system, I, when I was doing the research, I was just absolutely fascinated. And the fascination comes from the fact that our immune system has been evolving ever since we walked on this planet. So we've learned to accommodate bacteria and viruses. We have trillions of bacteria in our gut that outnumber the human DNA in our body. So we have more bacterial DNA than we do human DNA. So that, that's very fascinating. And our signature uh, microbiome, the number of bacteria that we have is very 
um, different than yours or mine, depending on your diet, depending on your mother, depending on if you were born by C-section or vaginal delivery. So a lot of things go into building the microbiome, but the more robust your microbiome is, the better your immune system is going to be, right? Again, back to the gut. Back to the gut. And um, the, we talked about neurogastroenterology earlier, yeah. but the new emerging data is showing psychology, neurology, and immunology, psychoneuroimmunology. They're showing that our immune system is actually an extension of our nervous system. They're calling the immune system our floating brain because these cells are so intelligent that they can remember things. So if you were allergic to peanuts, you'll remember it forever. Your immune system is like an elephant, never forgets. (laughs) And then, so we're with the coronavirus, everybody's so worried about the virus, but I kept telling all my patients, look, you have to create a robust immune system. We've been through pandemics before. We've been exposed to viruses. The ones who are dying with coronavirus, there was something going on with their immune system that they could not create enough Uh, immunity. So older people are at a disadvantage because as we get older, this big, big gland right here called the thymus gland, it gets smaller in adults, but children have a big one. So children were getting less sick, but the older people over 80 were yeah. dying, right? right? Then we found some younger people were dying, but then they had immune problems. Right. So I said, look, we're waiting for the virus to, 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 come and hit us, but we have to improve the immune system. We're waiting for the vaccine, but the vaccine's only going to work if your immune system is good and you make antibodies, right? So how do we create a robust immune system that we support and promote so that we stay healthy? And so the reframe toolkit applies to the immune system. I don't know if you can. Yeah, now I can see it. Yeah. And uh, I can I can send you the PDF of this if you want. Sure, I'd love that. And I can share it. Um, and, and it just basically takes everything in the book and says, what's a short way to say, here's a toolkit. Keep my immune system healthy. Then I'll keep my stress at bay. I'll stay healthy. So this applies to just basic health. So let's start with R. Yes, please. The R is reset your nervous system. Very first thing before anything, learn to reset your nervous system by learning the BMW meditation. So that's the breathing, the mindfulness and the word. So the breathing, inhale through your mouth, in, 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 sorry, sorry, inhale through your nose, hold it for five seconds and then exhale through your mouth. Make your exhale long and say a word like amen or om when you're exhaling. So that's the word. And your mind, just focus it on the breath, right? Because it goes everywhere. So that's the first thing is reset your body by resetting your nervous system. E is exercise. You and I just talked, why is exercise? So you got to burn off the stress. F is for food. So when you've got a calm mind, you're going to choose better food for your gut, your immune system. You won't pick foods that are inflammatory. And we do recommend under food, some supplement like vitamin D does improve the immune system. So we're only going to tell you things that are studied and scientifically proven, but vitamin C, vitamin D, omega-3, and zinc are good supplements. R is rest. And when I say rest, I'm not just talking about sleep. We've already talked about, but rest is 
uh, downtime away from your phone. Every time that phone dings, it causes a rise in your heart rate and blood pressure. So every time we're responding to something, teenagers are now addicted to their phone, but their nervous system is revved up all the time. So rest means unplugging from technology for a couple hours, sit in nature, and just let your nervous system get some downtime. A is awareness. We spoke about awareness. Once you become aware of the thoughts you think, you are learning to master your mind right? Because awareness is the catalyst of change. And M is for mindset. What do we want? We want, we're all going to default to stress. If we leave ourselves to our own devices, we are programmed to be on alert all the time. That's how we survived as a species. But if you want to have a different default system that's sustainable, healthy, going to give you more energy, more vitality, you've got to learn the mindset of resilience. So you've got to learn to adapt to this new world with resilience, showing up grounded, showing up in control, showing up in trust. So that's the mindset. The E is to tell people, look, we're not saying don't go to your doctor. We want you to have self-control, self-regulation, be in charge of your own health. When it comes to your mind, your mind is something you know well. You can Mm -hmm. change the way you show up. But E is for examine, go to the doctor. If your symptoms are severe, you need to get examined. Maybe your anxiety is so severe, you might need medication. There's nothing wrong with that. You're so depressed, you might need medication. There is nothing wrong with the intervention of medication or surgery. Sometimes we need that. So we have to learn to say, what can we prevent? Your job is to be accountable to your health and learn to prevent illness, but there's nothing wrong with going to a doctor when we need intervention and then come back and prevent again. Absolutely. You know, and it's that whole idea of, of being awake and engaged for your life's experience, right? I mean, yeah. uh, you know, all the things you talk about in, in, in your book, like every single one of them you can manage. As a human, I want to, I want to make it easy that people can do it. There's nothing in here that you can't do. And that's, what's incredible about it. And so powerful about it is that it reminds you of who you are. And if you think about, you know, I, I use the the Carl Sagan quote a lot, because I have a a thing called the sun visualization I do with kids, but I always say you're made of star stuff. Like, you know, and then there's that old, uh, there's that quote by, um, It'll come to me of who said it, but you know, and she says, when I get to the end of my life, I want to live, know that I've lived the length of it, the width of it, as well as the length of it. Oh, interesting. And, and so uh, go the, you know, Dr. Powell's book is saying to you, go wide, right? Oh, don't, don't try to like stay in this little tiny thing. I can't look at my stress or I can't look at my food or I can't go wide because it's yours and, and take ownership of it and show up with your physician, show up with your therapist, show up with your friends as that wide version of you saying, I'm okay. This is all of who I am. And there's so much power in that. And I that's just, the word you use power yet reclaim your power and yes. stand in your power because you have um, that that's your power. No one yes. should take that away from you. Yeah. It's so it's, I'm just, it's been such an honor to have you here today. I, I'm just so grateful 
to be able to share your work and spread your message uh, because what you're doing, oh, I, I have no words for, for the gratitude because it's so powerful and the, the lives and that width that we're going to get <laughs> from, from, from people being able to just look at their lives and know that they can manage it. They're resilient. Well, I'm going to use your analogy about width, but thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. You, you really did your homework because you brought up so many details and uh, it's great that uh, your, your audience is, is benefiting from your, your curiosity. So thank, thank you. you. No, thank you so much. And for anybody that's interested in learning how to connect with Dr. Pawa for links to her book, everything is going to be below the video here on YouTube. And if you're listening on the podcast, the links are going to be there too. I will be sharing um, everything that I have about Dr. Pawa with you. So anytime she's got something new coming out, I'm going to share it with you as well. Thank you so much again for listening this far. I hope you will follow through and order the book today. Don't wait till tomorrow. Just do it today because then, you know, you won't put it off and then start your journey to really embrace your mind body connection and, and live wide. <laughs> so thank you so much, Dr. Powa, and I'll see you all next yeah. time. Thank see you. you. Bye. Thanks for tuning in today. Please don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to visit our site, www.freewithin.me. Talk to you next week.